Jesus. I am your host, Tara McCleary-Reeves, and today we are joined by Denise Glenn. Denise Glenn is a wife. She's a mother. She's a grandmother. She is an amazing Bible study teacher who has impacted my life in ways that she will not know this side of heaven. I'm just so grateful for Denise and David Glenn. Denise is founder of Motherwise. Wisdom for Mothers is a Bible study that I recommend to every mother out there, mother-to-be, a young mother, wherever you are, whatever season of life, Denise's wisdom has truly impacted my family in so many ways. And Denise, I'm honored to welcome you to the show today. Thank you, Tara. I'm so glad to be with you. This is going to be fun. Denise, you know, I was raised by a godly mom and a godly dad. And to find another like-minded mother that could um, continue my walk with the Lord in those years after Leah and I were married, I'm grateful for the women of Johnson Ferry Baptist Church, many who you've become best friends with, I think, over the years. But one of those ladies had taken your Bible study. And Denise, I had Caroline and Daniel, what I call our dynamic duo. I had them um, in 2001. Actually, they were born six months before 9-11. And the women of Johnson Ferry Baptist Church, I think the Lord really uh, emburdened them for the hearts of a lot of young moms in our Atlanta community at the time, knowing that we were all facing so many questions with the tumult that was September 11th. And they decided to host a Bible study led by you um, in Houston, Texas, but you had done those fabulous uh, VHSs back then. I think you've moved to DVD and, and live stream now, but they were pivotal in teaching me how to apply biblical truths that I had grown up knowing in even more practical ways. You're such a gifted communicator of God's truth. Can you tell our audience a little bit how the Lord inspired you to begin writing studies and a little bit of your testimony? Yeah, David and I were believers um, when we met in college and both strong uh, Christians who were very active in uh, the college ministry and um, we fell in love just almost instantly when we met, and we just thought that uh, when you're in love and you love Jesus, that's all you need for marriage, and so we got married. I was only 19. It was the end of my sophomore year and David's senior year, and we just thought this is just going to be a marriage made in heaven, but on the third night of our marriage, I cried myself to sleep we were already fighting and arguing and there was already a power struggle. And for seven years, we were in a spiral down and we didn't know how to turn that around. My parents are, my dad was a minister. My mother is a prayer warrior, but back then they really didn't uh, spend a lot of time training and discipling and doing a lot of premarital counseling we had none they did a wedding and threw rice on us and um so after seven years of this spiral where we were in bad habits and bad behaviors and doing everything in the book wrong for our marriage um i asked my husband for a divorce after on our seventh anniversary and that is the night that our marriage could have ended, but God rescued us. 
um, my husband did not accept my resignation. And he said, we're gonna go home and get on our knees beside our bed and pray a one word prayer, help. We cried out to God, uh, began to confess our sins, which were many to you know God and each other. And that night we knew something was gonna happen. Something had changed, but we didn't know how is God going to fix this mess that we've made? Well, a few days later, my phone rang. Uh, some ladies in my church invited me to a prayer meeting. I was all about that. I needed prayer. And they asked me on the first day, um, Denise, how can we pray for you? And I said, I hate my husband. They went, okay, well, that's a good place to start. <laughs> These women could have rejected me. They could have shamed me. I deserved all of that. They embraced me. They loved me. And they began to go to war for our marriage and our family. And three years of weekly meetings with them resulted in a complete transformation of our marriage, complete overhaul of our parenting. And out of that experience, God gave me the gift of teaching and I just had to share what God had done, this miraculous work in our family. And that's how Motherwise got started. And I am so much a blessed product of your teaching. You're Every illustration that you use, and, and I've done many of your studies, and I, I think you'll agree with me that a lot of your studies correspond with whatever season of life you're in. And it was fun to kind of walk with you as you raised your three girls and then to raise our dynamic duo. And now, uh, 11 and a half years later, God's blessed us with Harrison. So I get to go through all of these principles again. And so your gift is just continuing. And that's another wonderful fact about you, Denise, is everything you teach is based on the living, active word of God. And so none of these ever go out of style or out of practical application. The mothering tips, I'll never forget, I'm still using some, but in uh, Wisdom for Mothers, how you would encourage us um, as our children would walk into the room to greet them with love and just that unconditional love. Can you tell our viewers kind of the three-step process that you hammered into us as young moms that we are now able to continue those into maturity with our children? Yeah, you know, um, God began to teach me that my children needed three gifts from me. And those three gifts can be given at any age. Doesn't matter if it's a tiny baby, preschooler, high schooler, or adult child. Every child needs from his parents. First of all, first gift, unconditional love, not based on their performance, not based on their behavior, not based on their appearance. A love that it says, I will always be for, here for you. I love you no matter what. Now we're going to talk about boundaries. That's the next gift. But yeah. the first foundation for a child's heart is to know that they are ridiculously and radically loved unconditionally, no strings attached. So that was the first gift, wrap them in a blanket of love. And then the second gift is the rope of boundaries. Our kids need to know right from wrong. They need to know clear yes and clear no from us. They need firm and fair boundaries. 
And God's word, the book of Proverbs, if you start in chapter 10 and read to the end of the book of Proverbs, it's going to give you clear instruction about disciplining your children and setting those boundaries around their lives. Kids need boundaries because it provides them security. Um, they may not act like it or say they like it, but actually children beg for boundaries. And so that's the second gift we give our kids and it's expensive. Oh my goodness. Um, it'll rip your heart out sometimes to set those boundaries and fall through with godly appropriate discipline. Uh, but it's a great gift to give our kids. And then the third gift is the bread of life. We need to teach our children about Jesus. Um, you can't leave it up to the pastor and the church. This needs to be done at home, but we give it to them in bite-sized portions. Some Christian uh, parents like me, I mean, like an overachiever as a mom, you know, I wanted to open their mouth and cram in the word of God and make sure they get everything. Well, of course, when you shove something in, they're just going to throw it back up. So you have to make the word of God, take it in bite-sized portions appropriate for their age, appropriate for their maturity, and even appropriate for their spiritual maturity. Some of our kids are really advanced spiritually and really get things spiritually. And some take longer to cook and you have to be gentle and patient, but giving our children the bread of life, Jesus called himself the bread. And we give Jesus in bite-sized portions to our kids until they can grow into maturity. I feel like doing your studies, I, I literally walk through from Genesis to Revelation because you're so knowledgeable about God's word and the practical application of each. And another great thing that you, you do in your studies is to remind us of the hierarchy of making sure that nothing takes the place of our relationship with Jesus Christ. He is supreme and he does need to be first in our everyday decision. And then those of us who are married, you champion marriage and you talk about the respect and the honor and the love that a husband and wife need to show each other that godly love and then not putting our children in an idol like position but to put them in their proper place too as third in that, in that order. Tell our viewers how God created Eve and what he used. Can you expound on that illustration a little bit? Yeah, you know, when God created man, he used dirt and formed him from clay and from dirt. But when he created woman, he used a completely different building material. He used the man's rib and performed that first operation in history and pulled that rib from his side. And this building material tells us about our role and who we are as wives. So we're the rib to protect those vital organs of the heart and the lungs. That's our husband. He's the heart and the lung of the family. And But as his rib, we protect his reputation. We protect his name. Um, we stand and defend him in prayer, and that's probably the most important role that a wife has in her husband's life is to shield him in prayer. We hold up that shield of faith to quench the fiery darts of the enemy. We know our husbands have an enemy, and Satan doesn't want them to be faithful, to be godly, to 
pursue Christ, to provide for their families. And so as his wife, um, we shield our husbands in prayer. Uh, my husband has gone through, my husband was a geophysicist before he retired. And there were times in his work life that were just so hard and so tough because he was a Christian, um, surrounded by people who didn't believe like he did. And some of the ethics were not what he believed. And I remember nights where I would literally stand over him. He was in bed in the middle of the night, worried about something. And I would just go to battle for him in prayer. And it made all the difference. So um, yeah, as wives, we're the rib and we get to protect our guys. They protect us and we get to protect them in prayer. And in the way that you're so in tune with human nature and our, our sinfulness, you also go on. And as a young wife, it was so important for me to hear you say this. You asked the question, yes, you, my dear, have that pivotal role of protector of the heart of your home, but you also can be the very tool that the enemy uses to destroy your marriage um, if you're not in submission to the Lord Jesus Christ. And you asked us how many of you are broken ribs in your marriages. And that was so convicting. You know, in hindsight, I just thank you so much, Denise, because just um, that accountability. And I've looked at you, even though we've only spent a couple of hours in person, I've really looked at you as one of my dearest and best friends, that accountability partner whose words I'd read in your study. And then I would see, you know, your honesty and your failings because none of us is perfect, but you run to the perfect word of God for that cleansing, for that transformation, for that forgiveness that we need on a daily basis. So I am just so enthusiastic about making the world aware and you've never, and you and David are much like my mom and dad and that you've never tried to make a name for yourselves. I mean, you're hard to find just Googling you, you know? I mean, you've never been one to, to get the agent and get the PR team and get the marketer. Y'all have just been like mom and dad. It's been one heart at a time. Whoever the Lord has brought into your life that particular day, you're gonna glorify his name through that relationship. And I think that's what endears me even more to you but I do want people to know and pastors of churches and women's ministers, if you need a fabulous study for the women of your church, you need to look at Denise and David Glenn's studies because you not only give and feed the word of God, Denise, but you promote community. I think I've shared with you when we did that Johnson Ferry study, when I was six months into motherhood or whatever it was at that particular time, those ladies would do the skits that you wrote to make applicable whatever the life lesson was for that week. They would share recipes that, you know, you just made everything so, you know, you're stretched as a young wife and mom anyway, but you relieved us so much because you thought, hey, if, if, the, if the girls had a meal that they could you know, have ready-made for once a week, let's do that to give them more time with their husbands, more time with their children. And uh, it is a revolutionary concept. I mean, your studies are really what the body of Christ should look like. Mm. You know, Tara, many years ago, and by the way, Motherwise is 40 years old this month, this month while we're taping this, um, 
Motherwise is celebrating 40 years. So I've had, you know, a lot of time to um, just see what really works, what follow God's leading in how not just to write Bible studies, but to create a place where women, and now David does it with men, but how they learn best. And I'm really interested in how people's lives can change, how God can interject into someone's life and bring about total transformation. I mean, we don't need more information, right? There are a jillion Bible studies. What we need is inspiration. We need the Holy Spirit to take this head knowledge and drop it down a foot into our heart and put it in our hands and put it in our feet. So what God led me to do in our study is to train the leaders as I'm training mentoring moms and training the leaders of a motherwise group. What I tell them is I can give you the videos and the leader's guide and the Bible study workbook, but what you're going to have to put into this, the, that's the little car, the motherwise car, but the fuel is prayer. Yeah. yeah. The fuel, you've got to intercede for your group. And when people pray for their group, they fall in love with them. Jesus just gives them this sweet love. And then the oil that goes in the machine is love. Um, so when we pray for people and when we love them, and I just tell them, create a nest. These young moms, these teenage moms, whatever age they are, and now I'm writing for senior adult moms, women like me who are grandmothers, at the same time we're, we're burying our own parents. At the same time we're going through um, all this change with our husbands retiring. At any age, People need to be in community, in a very loving community that doesn't judge and doesn't point fingers. But what we say is to all the leaders, write this on the door over your motherwise group. In this room, you will be loved and accepted the way you are. You just come as you are, and we're going to let Jesus love on you and give you wisdom and discernment, and we're going to encourage you to obey the word of God, and then we're going to step back and let God work, and he does. Going from wisdom for mothers or mother-wise into freedom for mothers, I, I do think there are those that may be watching that need to be encouraged when you're so confident in God's sovereignty. And in the fact that these children are not ours, they're his. And you continually stress that throughout your studies. Uh, tell us about the biggest, one of the biggest obstacles that the Lord asked you to hurdle with him in the life of your daughter and what led to freedom for mothers. And what an incredible reminder that is to all of us that truly God does fulfill his promises. And when he says, train up a child in the way he or she will go, he will not depart from it. Can you expound on that one a little bit? Yeah, you know, I had written Wisdom for Mothers and taught it in many, many places. Um, God had opened so many doors and we were practicing this at home and it was so sweet. And I kept thinking our girls were just uh, becoming teenagers. Our oldest was about 16, our middle was 14 and the younger was 12. We had three girls in four years. So everybody was the same age. And I kept thinking, what is wrong with people? Teenagers are fun, this is awesome. And then 
we hit a brick wall with our eldest daughter. Now, today she is a mother of five. We are best friends. We are so close. All is well, but when she was about 17, 18 years old, God called her to do something I did not understand. I didn't get it. I kind of had a plan in my mind of how life was going to go. She was going to go to school and go to university and get her master's and then meet some, you know, wonderful Christian man and they could go be missionaries to Africa. But <laughs> I wanted it in that order. And what God did is call my daughter into full-time ministry when she was between 16 and 17 years old. And she came to us, this is our top, top student. And she came to us and said, I'm not going to college. I'm going to ride on a bus in this Christian band uh, with 11 boys. She was the only girl. And we're just going to tour and share Jesus. And I was like, over my dead body. <laughs> um, we had this major row and she was convinced God was calling her to do this. And at that point, I did not uh, realize that my role was changing in her life. I was not the, I was moving out of that authority role and moving into come alongside her to help her do what God was calling her to do. Well, we struggled big time and went through about two years of just, man, it was not fun. Finally, she, she went off with the band. They signed with a major label. She was touring and my heart was broken. I just didn't understand. And God woke me up in the middle of the night one night. I saw a picnic table setting on our bedspread and God just said, Denise, pick up the spoon. Stop spoon feeding this kid. Pick up the fork. She's at a fork in the road and it's not your fork. Let her go where she needs to go. Pick up the knife. Stop knifing her in the back. Pick up the cup of kindness. He walked through every piece and part of this picnic table setting and he began to say, let her go. He reminded me that when she, before she was even born, we had gone through infertility and begging God for a child. A wonderful uh, older woman in my church challenged me to pray, Lord, it's okay. If I never have a child, what I want is you. I, after three days, got the courage to pray that prayer. And I'm thinking we'll never have children, but God gave me three babies. After I released them to him, he gave me these three children. I thought, well, okay, that's, that's over. That's the end of it. But when she was 16, he reminded me of that prayer. And he said, you told me it was okay. If you never had a child, what you wanted with me was me. So what is the problem? I have called her to myself. I need her now to be on mission for me. And you said it was okay a long time ago. And I had to surrender. Now, the process of surrendering and letting her go took about a year. Um, it was on again, off again, let her go, take her back. But finally, I got to the place where I could release this child into God's hands. And of course, he did more than I could have dreamed or imagined. She and her band, Cademan's Call, some people will remember the name of their band. 
God used them on secular university campuses to reach kids. I still, everywhere I go speak, someone walks up to me, you know, now they've got a baby on their hip and they walk up to me and say, I came to faith in Jesus Christ at one of your daughter's um, concerts. And now my husband's a pastor and we're in ministry. I hear it all the time. And we nearly missed it because I was hanging on as a mom at the very time God was calling me to let go. And it was through that process, Jesus took me to the cross. I mean, I had to lay my little Isaac at the feet of Jesus and plunge in that knife of course he stopped me and let her go and it was for me as a mother a trip to the cross where I had to die to my agenda die to my selfishness die to my plans and allow his plan to take place in our family and it set me free that's why I named that book freedom for mothers who would you say from God's word is your hero of the faith. You seem to be so in tune with, with all of them, but if you could only pick one. Esther, um, for me, Esther stands out because of what she went through and how she overcame. Esther lost her home country. She was an exile. She lost her family. She was an orphan. Um, she lost her future. If you stop and think about it, every young Jewish girl was taught I might be the mother of Messiah. I mean, probably not going to be me, but it could be me. Every one of them were thinking, is God going to call me to birth the Messiah? And when she was taken from her home with Mordecai and she was taken into the palace of the king to be one of his many, 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 many wives, she lost um, the ability to be a Jewish bride uh, to possibly bear Messiah, but apart from that, even to marry a Jewish man, to be a part of the covenant promises, to raise Jewish children. She lost all that in the palace of a Persian king. And yet we look at Esther and her faithfulness, her faith, um, when she was called upon, everybody knows the story, Esther is called upon to save her people and she's going to go talk to the king and you just didn't go do that. She dressed in her royal robes, but before that, she spent three days and called all the people of Israel to for three days to fast and pray for her. And then, so she did what Jesus tells us in Matthew 6. She fasted in secret, she prayed in secret, and then um, she gave her life. And it was in secret. The king didn't know what she was doing. He didn't know what this was costing her, but she offered up herself as a sacrifice. And, and it tells us in chapter nine of Esther, the tables were turned and all of a sudden, now the enemies of the Jews who were gonna kill them, the Jews were given permission to fight their enemy. So she radically transformed her nation. She turned the page of history by her faithfulness. This young Jewish girl who up to before that moment was a nobody and God used her through her faith, through her fasting, through her praying, through her giving to change a nation. And if Esther can do it, so can we. And you do address that in your latest study. You move from Esther's winter season uh, into our winter season and how the Lord providentially has timed all of your Bible studies so right for where we are in history. 
you know, a lot of us coming out of 2020 uh, and now into 2021 are, are feeling like this has been a long winter. Can you tell us a little bit about this, this new study that the Lord has inspired you to write? You know, um, five years ago, uh, we had a medical crisis with my mom. She was already over 90. And um, my relationship with my mother was much more than mother-daughter. My mom was my mentor, my prayer warrior, my champion. I mean, when I didn't believe in myself and nobody else did, my mom always did. I mean, she prayed and prayed and prayed for me. She prayed for me two years before I was born. She was also a subject of infertility and she prayed me into existence and my mom, uh, when she began to get sick and I could see this was the end, it did something deep in my heart. There was a deep grief that began when she got sick. And so for four years, my parents, uh, we went through that season that it is a season to let your parents go. And it was painful and it was hard, but God taught me something many things that I could not have learned any other way. And the book that he took me to in the word, of course, I'm like, okay, Lord, what in your word teaches us about letting our parents go of losing that foundation of their prayer and their support? How am I going to live without my mom? How am I going to do this? And he took me to the book of Ecclesiastes of all places. You're like, is that a happy clappy book? No, it is not. But Solomon addresses the issues of aging, of death, of, I mean, all these things. And everybody knows, most people know chapter three, where he says, there's a time to be born, a time to die. You know, life is a, like a library. That's what I learned in this study. Life is like a library. And you're going to take down the book of birth, a time to be born. When your children are born and you're beginning this life and a whole new season of parenting, that's one thing. But you actually eventually put that book up on the shelf. They grow up and they mature. And then there's a time to die. And we have to take down that book and learn from this season of death and dying and sickness and grief. It teaches us something we just can't learn in those happy, clappy times. And this deep place that God took me, of course, grief is not fun and it's painful and it's awful. But through the time of grief, there was a deepening I went deeper into the Lord Jesus and drawing more of his life into myself and then learning how to look at life and enjoy it. One of the things Solomon teaches us in the book of Ecclesiastes is, okay, life is short, have fun. And, you know, this whole thing of learning to enjoy our lives, that is also a part of God's plan is having fun, letting go. I, I grew up in, in such a, my parents went through the depression and it, there's this deprivation kind of mindset that that's godly and, and, you know, you can't let yourself have fun. Well, for crying out loud, that's not what the Bible says. It says, 
enjoy your life, eat, drink, and be merry, and have fun, and enjoy. Now, we stay inside the parameters of God's word, stay inside the boundaries God has set, but once we stay inside the boundaries, it is fun. Life can be fun, and it's what balances those heavy and those hard times. So, Um, winter season is the Bible study that I've written. And it's really for all of us because everybody worldwide has gone through 2020 and the pandemic and it's early 2021 and we're not done with it. And we don't know what's on the other side of it. Through these times, God takes us into his word to begin to teach us there. You got to take out these books from the library and you're going to read it. You're going to learn from it and experience it. And then you get to put that one back. There's a time for plucking up and there's a time for planting. Um, There's all these different seasons and times of life. And through each season, Jesus takes us through each one and says, come on, come on. There's more. Come Come find me. I'm here and I have something so rich and such a treasure to teach you. And on the way, by the way, we're going to have fun. We're going to find something light and fun and enjoyable as we go along the way. The very end of the book of Ecclesiastes, he summarizes the whole book and he says, you know, I've tried everything. He had billions of dollars, a thousand women in his bed. He had all the wisdom you can even imagine. He would make Albert Einstein and Isaac Newton look dumb. I mean, he had all of this. And at the very end of his life, he says, and by the way, fear God and keep his commandments. I mean, he just summarized it all. And he says, trust and obey, fear God. That means reverence him, honor him, worship him and keep his commandments. He says, you know, I tried it the other way. I tried not keeping God's commandments and I'm so sorry. There are regrets there. I don't want that for you. Solomon's been there and he looks over his shoulder and says, you want to how you want to know how to really live life? Live it like this. And he gives it to us in the book of Ecclesiastes. Which ties it perfectly to your first study where the mantra, the takeaway for me as a mom, and I still, when I'm on the phone with my college children today and they're struggling with something and I'm directing them to a passage of scripture that is instruction to be obedient, your mantra, listen and obey. That so often you've got to follow up with the obedience because it's not just in the listening that matures us it's in that obedience that matures us and how you inspire us denise to finish strong Uh, the last time i was blessed to physically sit under your teaching and i wanted i would love for you to to just close this out with this you challenged us with a passage from psalms i believe it was psalm 139 Mm -hmm. and challenged us again to a 40-day uh prayer evaluation in our own hearts. Can you tell our viewers and let's let's conclude with that because again, your teaching is so practical. It's so purposeful. It's um, really cultivating a holy habit of dependence on the Lord on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. Psalm 139, and I have my Bible here, but I have it memorized. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. What I've learned 
um, I'm old now and I've learned instead of morbid interest, introspection and saying, I'm going to search myself, I'm going to comb through, you know, don't do that because you'll chase some rabbit trail and go off into false guilt. That's not what this passage is saying. What it's saying is you sit in God's presence and I would challenge you to do this for 40 days Sit in God's presence early in the morning, get your, get your cup with you and say, Lord, you search me, you try me and you tell me, I trust you to speak in a way I can understand you. You test my heart and you let me know if there's any offensive way in me, if I have sin in my life, if I've made a mistake, whatever it is, I'm all ears and lead me in the way everlasting. If you come to your heavenly father with that request, I guarantee he's going to answer. The Holy Spirit is so sweet. If you've sinned, he will not hesitate to let you know. And when he does, confess it and then forgive yourself and move on. Receive his forgiveness. Um, if it's a mistake and you've just done something that you shouldn't have done and you can rectify that in restitution he's going to lead you each step of the way but it's a great way to start the new year viewers i hope you have been as encouraged as i've been by denise glenn i i truly look at her as a shero of the faith i'm going to have links to her websites to her latest study as well as those studies i've done in the past that i pray you'll introduce to your church families and to your own families because the timeless truths that she teaches will never expire. Denise, I love you and I'm so thankful the Lord brought you into my life. I love you too, Tara. Thank you so much for having me. This has been a joy.